This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that gives a quick look at something that happened a long time ago today. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're examining the day when members of Congress took a notable first step toward black enfranchisement during the Reconstruction Era. The day was January 8th, 1867. The U.S. Congress passed the District of Columbia Suffrage Bill, granting African-American men the right to vote for the first time in the nation's history. The bill's passage occurred about two months before the Reconstruction Acts enfranchised black men in the South, and three years before the 15th Amendment granted voting rights to all men, regardless of race. Meanwhile, black women, like all women in the United States, wouldn't gain the right to vote until 1920. The D.C. bill may have been the first law to grant suffrage to African-American men, but it still came with plenty of caveats. The exceptions were male residents under the age of 21, as well as anyone on welfare, anyone under someone else's guardianship, those who had been convicted of a major crime, and those who had voluntarily sheltered Confederate soldiers during the Civil War. At the time, the federal government had direct control over the elections and voting rights of the district. Citizens of D.C. were allowed to vote for a local legislature, called a council, but they didn't have any representation in Congress, and they weren't allowed to vote in presidential elections. All of that eventually changed, but even today, the district remains woefully underrepresented in Congress, and it's the only city budget in the country that still requires congressional approval. Federal oversight certainly has its downsides, but in 1867, it actually worked in the residents' favor for once. By the time the Civil War ended in 1865, the secession of southern states had cleared almost all of the Democrats out of Congress. This put Lincoln's Republican Party firmly in charge, and one of the first items on their agenda was to enfranchise black men wherever they could. This inevitably led them to focus on Washington, D.C., where Congress had the power to do away with racial qualifications for voting. But there was still one obstacle to overcome, and his name was President Andrew Johnson. He had assumed the presidency following the assassination of Abraham Lincoln in 1865, and unlike his predecessor, Johnson wasn't a Republican. He was a Unionist Democrat. That means he hadn't favored secession, but still sided with southern states on many other matters. Lincoln had chosen Johnson as his running mate in the 1864 election in order to promote the idea of a newly unified nation. However, that bipartisan gesture backfired when Johnson took over as president, setting the executive branch at odds with the Republican legislature. As president, Johnson put more importance on reconciling with the former Confederate states than he did on securing equal rights for citizens. As a result, when Congress first passed the D.C. Suffrage Bill in early January of 1867, President Johnson issued a veto to kill it. 
Still, in the end, that was just a futile gesture. Congress reconvened three days later, on January 8th, and voted to override Johnson's veto. The measure passed easily, with a vote of 29 to 10 in the Senate and 112 to 38 in the House. President Johnson would continue to fight the so-called radical Reconstructionists in Congress for the remainder of his presidency. His constant opposition and frequent vetoes eventually led to him becoming the first U.S. president ever to be impeached, though he wasn't convicted of a crime or removed from office. The first chance for black men in the District of Columbia to exercise their newfound right came in the summer of that same year, when the city's municipal elections were held. By the time of Election Day, black men accounted for a stunning 50% of D.C. registered voters, despite being only 30% of the city's population. They had finally won the right to vote, and they intended to use it. The D.C. suffrage bill certainly had its limitations, but it was a solid win for the early civil rights movement, and a hard-fought one at that. This particular victory hinged on the actions of white leaders in the federal government, but it's important to remember that African Americans had been fighting for freedom and equal rights themselves since the earliest days of the country. During the Civil War, black leaders used the social upheaval of the moment to frame a strong political argument in favor of black male suffrage. For example, during an address in 1863, Frederick Douglass argued that extending the vote to formerly enslaved citizens would help preserve the Union's victory in the Civil War. He said that, if given the right to vote, African Americans would become the country's, quote, best protector against the traitors and the descendants of those traitors who will inherit the hate, the bitter revenge which shall crystallize all over the South and seek to circumvent the government that they could not throw off. You may need him to uphold in peace, as he is now upholding in war, the Star-Spangled Banner. Douglas had hit upon a practical appeal for extending voting rights to black citizens. The party that did so would likely win their votes for some time to come. Republican members of Congress seemed to have gotten the memo and were swayed by the argument. By 1867, they were finally ready to get to work on the nationwide enfranchisement of African-American men, even if mainly for their own ends. The district law was a precursor to the Reconstruction Acts and constitutional amendments that would follow it. Today, it's remembered as a small but critical step on the long, winding road to equal rights. Over a century and a half later, that journey still has no end in sight. But with so much on the line, the important thing is that we just keep going. I'm Gabe Lussier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.